You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Wednesday, I speak to an investment professional from Mitre Optimal in Cape Town, and this week I'm speaking to Joanne Bainham. Joanne, I don't know whether you want to start with the depressing stuff of the local market and local market conditions, or whether you want to start with something a little bit more cheerful, certainly from a Wall Street point of view, i.e. the overseas markets. You choose, please. Well, let's kick off with the overseas markets that are more optimistic and you know, new highs being achieved almost daily. Um, let's talk about coronavirus because clearly that's all people want to talk about the last few weeks. And it appears to me, I think when the last time you and I spoke, the rate of new infection is declining. Yes. And, and that's all the markets really care about. I mean, admittedly, it's awful. A lot of people have now died. I think the count is over a thousand people. And you certainly don't want to be in a cruise ship any day soon, given that it seems to be a, a place to get viruses. But the reality is the actual number of new people getting this, this disease are reducing. So, so that's good news for markets. And, you know, the Fed spoke yesterday and said everything's hunky-dory. doesn't look like we need to cut rates anytime soon, but the U.S. economy is in great shape. So from an economic perspective, you're hearing good news offshore. You know, the virus isn't something to worry about. And I see yesterday as well, uh, Christine Lagarde, talked about the fact that monetary policy can only do so much. You also need fiscal spending. So that's some, a theme we've been talking about for quite a long time. And I think we're going to see a lot more fiscal spending from governments in 2020. And, and certainly the Chinese, you're probably going to see them doing a lot more because they clearly are worried about their economy, given the, the outbreak of the coronavirus. I don't know if you've done yourself a favor and watched the video footage of um, Beijing. There's almost like a ghost town. And you've got yes. supply chains there that are not working and kids not going back to school. Look, it's a temporary setback for most of us are talking about. It'll come back next year, I mean, next few months. But, yeah, I mean, I think the markets aren't terribly worried about it. But when it comes to local markets, a very different story. And if you can bear with me here, Lindsay, I wouldn't mind just quoting some things I saw this morning. Is Please that okay? Do. Yes, of course. Okay. So, um, Investec, Fonny uh, Titi, the CEO of Investec, came up with some some big statements yesterday or today talking about the government has to stop fighting with the bankruptcy administrator of SAA because it's going to force it into permanent liquidation. And, and I think his comment here is very telling. He, he's saying that the government, it's time for action now, no more talk. And I thought this was a, a, here's a direct quote from him. What is needed is a decisive voice from the president and the cabinet to implement the plans laid out by the treasury, he said. And here's my favorite. It's not rocket science. Mm. And I think I think the fact is this government needs to start doing talking, walking the walk because the talk we're all getting sick of it. And to give you an idea of just how bad things are in South Africa today, um, I just want to give you some numbers here, which I, I've been absolutely appalled by. AVI, this is a company that has some of the best brands in South Africa selling to the end consumer, is currently at a four year low. You probably saw Tiger Brands came up with the results, or I think guided on their results. Yes, there was a trading update this morning, yes. A trading update. I mean, they're talking about earnings being 30 to 37% lower year on year, okay? They're talking about the difficult trading conditions is going to get worse in the second quarter. Volumes are declining across their business. This is food. Yeah, exactly. This is not... This is not no high-end consumer items. Yeah, these, these aren't cars or sofas. These are daily essentials. These are this staples. Is, yeah, the staples. And I, and I think to myself, what on earth is going on in this country? And in the meantime, you've got Casati saying, well, look, we'll talk to government about potentially using our pension funds to help out ESCOM. 
And now they're turning around saying, well, actually, we didn't really mean it, or we're going to take a few more weeks to discuss it. And what we really want is the companies to do prescribed assets. The thing is a complete mess. And, and apart from anything else, I'm not even sure if the pension funds are allowed to put this kind of money into ESCOM in terms of their own pension rules. South Africa needs help, and they need it quickly. And whether that's some money from the IMF or we get some German country to say, well, I mean, country in Germany to say, like, let's give some money to South Africa because of a renewable program, we need something because we are seriously at a tipping point in this country. And there's a lovely expression, you know, never waste a good crisis. We, we have Ramaphosa talking this week at the State of the Nation address. He needs to start coming up with some concrete plans about what's going to happen in this country. Okay. No, we've got the State of the Nation address uh, coming up tomorrow. And as you quoted from a banker, yeah, we've got to start actioning on the good words and platitudes that are being put out at the moment. And there has to be a collaboration with monetary policy because the monetary policy is being handled quite well, if not a little bit cautiously, I think. But the fiscal policy is, has got to join forces with the monetary policy. Otherwise, we're stuffed. Just something else that's come out. The problem, mm, just Lindsay, is that there's just, just there's no money. You know, you, I, think, I think it was Singapore this morning I was listening to, and, and the Singapore government has said, with their upcoming budget, they're going to have to do more spending because the coronavirus clearly had impact on trade, and, and they're going to spend money to help their economy. Our, our government has no money. It's run out of road in terms of increased taxes. I think a VAT hike in this country is probably possible in the budget, but it would go down very badly in the electorate. And the reality is most people in South Africa are poor, so they're going to pay that. Um, you've got government workers having another two years of contract, which gives them above wage inflation increase in salaries. The wage bill is just going out of control. Where is the money coming from? We don't have any money to spend. No, exactly. I know exactly the same feeling. Here's something that's come out as well, which is also plays along with what we've just been talking about. This is Barlow World. They've just come out with a trading update. It says the following, Divisional Performance Overview. This is a voluntary three-month operational update. I'll just read you the first sentence from each division. Equipment. Overall sales were down on the prior year due to lower machine sales in the rest of Africa. Uh, automotive. Automotive trading was down on the prior year due to continued pressure on new and used unit sales. Logistics, non-renewal of contracts in the prior year and increased fleet costs impacted results. Funding, in line with previous years, group working capital and related net debt levels have increased. Conclusion, the global concern over the coronavirus outbreak is weighing on general sentiment with concerns on its negative impact, etc., etc. Wall Street can say what it likes, but when you've got a, a manufacturer of motor cars in Europe having to close down a factory because they can't get the stuff out of China, the, or the components out of China because of the coronavirus shutting down the manufacturing in China, then, then you know that this is not just another SARS outbreak. And just because it's only 1,000 people dead and only 40,000 people infected, it doesn't mean anything when it comes to the supply chain. There is something going on here. No, no there is. But I think Foxconn came out. They, they supply Apple with their phones. Foxconn came out and said, you know, we're still not at full production. I don't even think they've opened their factories yet. But, but within the end of March, thanks to overtime, we'll be 80% of where we need to be. The difference between China and a lot of other countries is they people will work there. They have a work ethic that's unbelievable, and I think they'll catch it up. So you're right. There is, there's going to be impact by coronavirus. But right now, what people are wanting to buy are the fangs or the quality growth stocks. That tends to be that continues to be the only place people want to invest their money. But having said that, it was quite interesting last night. Someone came up with this 
worries about antitrust with these big uh, global tech companies yesterday. They've asked for the te- they've asked I think Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, a whole bunch of them for the last 10 years of all small acquisitions they've made. So I think this is something to keep our eye on because these companies are massive monopolies. And if you've got government looking to break up some of these companies, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if, if those rumors start circulating, the one leg of the market that's held it up has been these fang stocks. It could be quite worrying. But, you know, we've worried about that for a while. It hasn't come through, but it's a watch this space. And you're right, they're going to be impact from coronavirus. But I think the market's telling you at the moment it's a temporary factor, not a permanent factor. Mm. Uh, and the and the reality is the rate of infections are declining. So that's actually good news. And you've got the Fed, you know, still pumping liquidity into the markets. So isn't it not terribly rational for people to buy companies when they can't make money on the bank, they can't make money in bonds? You know, you, you've got a huge underpin still to equities globally. And like I say, because we think corona is temporary, not permanent, makes a big difference. Should it change, as I said to you last time we spoke, then, you know, all bets are off. I was looking but I'm at, much more worried about South Africa. Yeah, I, look, it really hit home to me this morning when I saw the Italian bond auction results from yesterday. I think $55 billion was the volume of demand for the Italian 10-year bond. And the yield was an all-time record low of 1.49%. So people are saying, goodness me, 1.49%, this is absolutely fantastic. No wonder people are going into equities. If you get 1.49% yes. for 10 years in Italy, of all places, which isn't the most stable politically, it's a huge economy. And actually, people are rather dis- disparaging about Italy, but it's a great economy. I think it's the fifth biggest that's in the huge. world. Yeah, it's massive. It's got massive debt. It's mm. got an enormous amount of debt. I think that's why... It's got more now. Here, one point, mm. Yeah, no, got more now, <laughs> but at 1.4%. But I do think it comes in very nicely to our view that we've had here for a while, that buying, putting money into SA bonds, despite budget worries in this country, and if you're not going to buy bonds at the very long end, more on the medium-term side of the bond market here in South Africa, makes sense for a foreigner because... You know, we don't have a lot of dollar debt in South Africa. The ability for our government to pay back is, is relatively easy. And we've got incredibly high yields. You know, I would rather buy, I mean, I, this sounds quite controversial, but I'd rather buy SA bonds trading at 8 9% than buy Italian bonds at one4 And I think you're going to see a lot more people coming into that realization that the yields in South Africa are very attractive. And that's why, despite the coronavirus, the currency here has held up relatively well. I mean, I've not been strong, obviously, but it's held up relatively well in South Africa because the yield argument. Yeah, I suppose so. But you also have to manage that currency risk, and that's expensive, and that does take some, take away from some of the yield. But anyway, yes, no, it's, it does. it's very compelling. No, no, you're right. Hmm. It is compelling. And I think, you know, we're looking, we have to wait for the budget and sort of February to get a better idea of what's really happening. And, and as I said, Sona this week. And, and there clearly are massive issues in South Africa, but let's hope behind the scenes Cyril's doing the right things. But, but I do think Africans are saying to themselves, we need some action now because mm. we've done a lot of talking. We need some action. But, yeah, that's a story. I mean, just on a, on a different note, I chatted to some private equity guys this morning about investments in South Africa. And they're saying that they're still seeing lots of opportunities to invest in this country into smaller, medium enterprises. Um, and I saw there's a small business fund that just put 25 million rand into the market to help out Swaza shops. Those, we need to see more headlines like that. Yes. We need to see more headlines in this country of people putting money for job creation because that's what this country desperately needs is more jobs. And, and, and then I, here's another interesting stat I just thought you might have, I, I thought it was fascinating yesterday. Do you know what the average age of the Kasatu um, unionist is? What do you think the age is of the person who's a member I, of Kasatu? Absolutely no idea. Enlighten me. 
Well, I thought this was interesting from the point of view that where's this country going in terms of the power of unions? Because they keep having membership declining. The average age is about between 49 and 53. It's quite old. Now, that tells us two things, that um, young people are the ones who are not getting jobs, they're not joining unions. But it also tells me that the power of the unions should, over time, become less in South Africa, which actually could be a very bullish argument for this country. But, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for silver linings at the moment. It's, it's, it's hard out there. And also back to private equity, what they're telling me now is that so many companies in South Africa are so cheap that they're looking at delisting companies off the JSE. So if you are a long-term value investor and it's pretty negative out there, listening to me understand why it's so negative, there are probably a lot of opportunities again to buy some really cheap companies. But we do need growth. And it's something we've been saying for ages. Okay, well then let's put all this together and tell us what you're doing at Mighton Optimal when it comes to asset allocation. What do you what is your stance given your nervousness about this country, but uh, your sanguine approach to what's happening overseas? Okay, I mean, so overseas, I mean, we obviously, like a lot of people, are worried about the U.S. markets because it continues to look quite expensive. But, you know, that's where the growth is still. Um, we still invest offshore as much as we can. Um, I do think it's deeply ironic. I've been listening to quite a few fund management houses recently that say, oh, do they bring their money back because they're worried about RAND strength? But when they bring their money back, they're too scared to buy SA Inc. stocks. They're buying RAND hedges. And I go, well, what are you really doing? So you're, you're, te- you're selling your Apple and you're buying a Richmond makes no sense to me. So, so our view here is we, we continue to hold as much offshore as we can. Within our local portfolios, we do have some assets in domestic SA Inc. funds, but we're still quite nervous about it. And most of our money sits in global funds, I mean, brand hedges. And for a long time now, we've liked bonds. So that hasn't changed. But we, are, we have a lot of money with flexible income managers that can trade the bond market to know where in the curve to be, because I think this budget is a worry. I, I just don't know how Tito pulls a rabbit out of the hat on this one. I don't know where he finds the money from. It's just very hard to see where that's coming from. And that has long-term implications on our bond market. So you want to be on the shorter end of the bond market if you're going to be invested. So that's where we're investing our money at the moment. Another thing we are doing, which is um, I, I, like, like the rest of the world, I guess, is looking at smart beta in our portfolios. So smart beta are sort of what I would call active passives, passives that play some sort of either quality metrics or the value metrics or momentum. And we're looking to buy that more and more in our portfolios because active managers are really struggling in South Africa. Joanne, thank you very much. Excuse me, three, two, one. Joanne, thank you very much for your insight. That's Joanne Bainham from Mighton Optimal in Cape Town. So bring stuff. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.